This is the talk of Music City Real Estate. Welcome back to another episode of the Talk of Music City Real Estate. Where we educate and motivate all things real estate. My name is Monty Moore with Realty One Group Music City. Hey, and I'm Carrie Ann with CMG Financial and my mortgage team. Every week we'll be posting a new episode chock full of Nashville real estate value. Yes, and you can follow along and subscribe at thetalkmusiccity.com. Got a question for us? Ask away at questions at talkmusiccity.com. Carrie Ann. Yes, my Hey, more. welcome back. Hey, it's an exciting time. We've got Jason Hoover in the house. Always. Hey, Jason. Thank yes, you. Yes, welcome, going? welcome. And we've got a special guest here today. We do, we do. One of the local brokers here of another brokerage. It seems kind of odd that we'd bring another broker of We're another brokerage in. But this guy, I have such tremendous respect for. Jonathan Harris, Scout Realty. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me, guys. Yes. I really appreciate it. I mean, you know, Jonathan and I met probably um it's so hard to get the crowd calmed down again <laughs> jonathan and i met a little over a year ago and um i came back to the office and i said dang that guy is sharp i mean he's really really an intelligent intelligent person and um i was threatened for a moment by that because i thought i was the sharpest rock in the pile i'm not really i'm totally not the sharpest rock in the pile but i, I was really impressed with him and and i've watched his He's, you know, he's doing some homework and changing a business model and seeing where things were going. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, let's talk about our sponsor, Carrie. Yes, our amazing sponsor, Music City Removal. They're the number one junk removal service in Nashville from residential, commercial, and construction. They're experts in rooting you junk. Their costs include labor and dumping fees without any hidden or added expenses. Whether you need a full clean out or just one item removed, they have you covered. The Music City Removal team knows the importance of respect and trust while in someone else's home. They understand the inconvenience of junk left behind by previous homeowners and tenants and are determined to provide an affordable and customer-focused junk removal service that puts you first. For a free on-site estimate, just go to musiccityremoval.com. That's musiccityremoval.com. Yes, Music City Removal, because clutter ain't cute. Clutter ain't cute. No, it ain't. You know, I'm dealing with (laughs) something similar like this right now, and uh, that clutter not being cute, because we've got a a house that I just listed that the people bought 20 years ago, and I swear she hasn't taken anything out of that house since uh, since then. And I mean, it was so bad that you just had little walkways in there, you know, and it's tricky you would think normally it's tricky to sell a nine hundred thousand dollar home with it's looking kind of scary inside but you know the market is so forgiving right now have you found that out jonathan as far as inventory and so forth it's kind of crazy isn't it whenever people need to leave somewhere they don't really care what it looks like right exactly i mean (laughs) it's it's, it's really forgiving i know you know i just recently did a an event and one of my giveaways was a stager and i was like oh well i don't even think you technically need to stage your house right now you know but i was like well i need to i don't want her to go out of business either you know so it's going to yeah, continue to promote I mean, her, some of these ancillary businesses it's it's yeah. it's really a challenge what right used there to now. be a need you know now it's going to change though for those listening yeah. you know back. what's interesting is probably less than half of the people um jonathan you've been around for a while i bet half the people haven't ever seen anything other than a seller's market here in middle tennessee yeah i don't know if this is true but i heard in gnr over 50 percent of the agents have not been in business for over three years correct wow. and so Correct. guys like us have been built in the uh 
the downturn. I, right. I remember seven, eight, nine, ten was rough. It was so really if rough. your business model has been created or adapted for this season, mm-hmm. there's different seasons that come and go in business. And so it's important to have an all-weather mentality. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And that uh, so leads true. us to, uh, let's talk about the changing. You know, here, here's the, I'm going to quote it again because I was so impressed with this analogy that you shared the other day when we were talking. And again, I, I want to stress, I love this guy. You know, I wish we were working together. He's really, really a sharp guy. But anyhow, so here's, imagine this for a second. Visualize this for a second that you're looking at, um, let's say, 500 penguins sitting on an iceberg and they're looking down and they're realizing that uh, that iceberg is melting. You know, they're looking down, saying, whoa, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and they're squeezing together a little tighter and a little tighter and a little tighter. It feels like sometimes the real estate industry, we're doing that because there's 14,000 local real estate professionals here, or uh, agents. Jason, correct me. <laughs> they're agents. <laughs> Some of those agents are professionals, right? There is a difference. There is a difference, and mm-hmm. we know that difference. And that's, um, you know, one thing we try to always, you know, really insist on within our organization that, uh, look, guys, there's a difference between agents and professionals, but mm-hmm. that's another talk. Um, so, so anyhow, let's talk about, um, let's talk about why is it that you have pissed off some, can we say pissed off? <laughs> you already did. You Here just did. <laughs> oh, man. Why is it? Why? Let's just, just jump in Jonathan, the heart of the matter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> heart of the matter here, Jonathan. What, 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 what have you, I mean, let's talk about your perception of that block of ice mm-hmm. that the penguins are sitting on, that right? the agents are squeezed in on, and, and we're looking around saying, okay, things are changing. Holy cow. Global warming. Yeah, <laughs> so let's let's talk about that, okay? Yeah, I think that um, a couple things stand out. Uh, in the Stanford commencement address by Steve Jobs from years ago, he said that this thing that we called life was made up by people who are no smarter than you or I. And in a sense, a lot of times we start to function out of a place of being conditioned. We start to function in our craft from a position about how society has impressed upon us. And I think that it's really sad that we would live most of our lives, if not all of our lives, basically living someone else's narrative. Mm -hmm. And so my dad was a broker from the 70s and 80s. And um, I remember our house phone. We had a a, um, a phone that you'd turn the circle and it kind of clicked back and it had like a little curly wire like that. Yeah, absolutely. My dad was a broker and he he would talk about the business model from that phone. And I think I kind of woke up to this reality a few years ago is the business model is not evolving and there are consumer trends that they have expectations of things to be cheaper, faster, better, easier mm-hmm. and the customer has needs and problems that need to be met and i started to awaken this reality is that modern homeowner problems are not being solved with traditional solutions and so if we get one life to live if we get to be in a city that is prime as 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 far as um uh nashville has never been better i was born and raised here so like we're in the prime of the city prime in our real estate um, uh, industry mm. why would we play an antiquated game that was decades old and so coming into this year, I made a decision that we get one life to live. I give a very large portion of my life to work. I want to have an important life. Therefore, my work must be important. For me to have important work is to solve really big problems for a lot of people. And so why would the industry not be on board with that? You know, I think at the turn of the century, there was a guy named Upton Sinclair that said it's really difficult to get someone to understand something when he gets paid to not understand it. 
and I have found that, mm. and I understand based on conditioning, that it's really easy to perpetuate a business model that always has been for decades mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus to reinvent, ideate, um, ask your customers for feedback. And when they say, we need it to be faster, we need it to be easier, we need it to be better, it needs to be more affordable, we need to adapt to who the mm. customer is. So as a broker, um, I started to obsess about the customer experience, and I realized that that was going to create a divide between um, my hypothesis mm. and the way that I see the world from a lens of customer-centric. Uh, when we put the customer at the center of the conversation and we started to make decisions back from what would be in their best interest, mm -hmm. which would be contradictory to what may be in the industry global is best interest. But when we talked about earlier about being a professional, um, I, I, my dad brought over the house the other day a onesie and it was like when I was a little bitty kid, um, my, when I came home from the, uh, the hospital, this was my real estate shirt. Mm -hmm. oh. so, so for month one, I'm in a real estate. So I'm, I'm for the industry. Mm -hmm. I think that we reserve the right to improve the industry. And I'm not going to live my life playing somebody else's game. Mm, so that's that. maybe why the industry has a little bit of pushback. Well, and, and But I do appreciate the core, of the, the core of you, Jonathan Harris, is you do love the industry. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you do care about the future of the industry, yeah. as I do. The vital few versus the trivial many. Exactly. If, exactly. if the associations are going to have such a very low bar to get in, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from cost, from time, from commitment. We are attracting, I remember this was several years ago, um, I had won one of the little awards of excellence, and I think it was 3,600 agents in Middle Tennessee. I had my assistant call uh, Realtracks the other day and just ask them how many users that would take into account all the associations, and there was 16,248 subscribers. Could, could, there could be some appraisers in there, but we are geometrically growing in our agent count, which means um, we're not necessarily selling more houses. So we can be very excited about, oh, look at how great the industry's doing. But our transactions per agent is going down. Right. Last year, nationally in Nashville, about on par, about 5.5 per agent, which means we're not even selling one house per uh, every other house, month. Every, every month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so if you're going to play, let's say you have the World Series and you're going to insert a pitcher, if this pitcher has only pitched five times in their life, are they going to be able to deliver the goods? Right, right. So we have to get better as an industry. And if the associations and the Real Estate Commission are not going to have more strenuous um, rigor around who they allow in, mm. if we're not going to have um, cost in a, in, a, in a certain way that's going to uh, your level of commitment is how much you're paying into it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then I think we got to self-stop and say, I'm going to raise the standards for myself. I'm going to raise the standards for our company. I'm going to raise the standards for the clients. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the industry does well. But when I say the vital few versus the trivial many, we are not getting better as an industry by volume of agents. And that's indicative of the NAR's danger report from just a couple years ago right. that talks right. about remember the that. dangers of we're incompetent, unethical, and untrained. That was mm. their words, not my words. Exactly. Wow. No, that was a, sh that was a, a shocker. I know I, I remember writing an article for the Tennessean and uh, quoting some of the, the, those stats or those comments. You know, it's, it's, you know it's, it hurts, but it is what it is. And, and, and it starts, of course, with identifying the problem so we can change it. And that's part of the reason why I want to have the conversation here to get people to think out, outside of the box. You know, many, many of the agents have been around for a long time. They know that for a period of time, I sold homes without charge. I did it because the market went down and there was people were losing their homes and I felt like I needed them to uh, pivot um, to be of greater value to it at a time where there was no equity. And, you know, it was it was um, surprising to me how much 
hate I got for that, you know, and, and how people blame me because they weren't successful. And it's like, I'm not that powerful, guys, okay? Uh, I can't control the market, but I can recognize the market and then pivot accordingly. And I think that's, again, part of the reason for the conversation here is we've got to raise the bar. We've got to be more empathetic with the con- customer. You know, it was over 25 years ago. I was standing outside of a training session and I was talking to some agents saying, look, guys, if we do not insist or let me say it this way. If we allow the consumer to feel like they over, if we continue to allow the consumer to feel like they overpaid for a bad experience, they're going to find another way. And that was before the internet ever came along, you know? Mm-hmm. But I had this intuitive knowing that, you know, not every, not every time did the consumer feel like they got their money's worth. And that was eventually going to, is going to cost us mm-hmm. a reputation. And, and I think that's, why we have to pay attention to those other entities, Jonathan, speaking of what you're coming from, is we've got to be able, ready to speak to a pain point. We've got to be willing to pivot to the need. Um, and that's why Redfin is succeeding. Mm-hmm. That's why Open Door is succeeding. That's why Zillow is succeeding, because they're speaking to a pain point. What you're talking about is recognizing, hey, guys, there's a pain point here. You might think that you're worth this because you're charging this, but it doesn't necessarily mean the consumer feels the same way. And, and that's, you know, go ahead and spin that positive out of that, Miss Positive. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm a big believer in what, I could hire everybody and every, anybody in our industry too. I think when it comes to the mortgage business, there's probably as many lenders as there are real estate agents. Um, I think it is important for us to hold strong and true to our own personal reputations if the industry is going to go a little rogue um, on us. There's uh, warehouse lenders now. You know, it's it's allowing what we felt to be something so precious just to be a no big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and it is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm right with you in regard to that. If, if the industry is not going to change, how do you personally make changes mm-hmm. to improve your current, you know, surrounding? Did you um, change the concern? consumer's experience. Sure, absolutely. Um, and you should hold people accountable. I hold my loan officers within my organization accountable. They can't just throw a file up against the wall and hope it sticks. You know, there's something about being true to your word. Like, mm-hmm. do not send a letter out unless you know that that letter is going to be held you know, it's truly going to be approved. Like we just don't throw letters out. I mean, there's more loans across my desk that were denied at the last minute from other lenders. Like how is that would just make me not, I don't, I wouldn't sleep at night, you know, if that happened, I'm so thankful that it does happen because I stay employed and my seven year old can probably go to college because of that. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but I would never want it to be on my side for sure. And you, and you see it often, you yeah. know, people, they don't take it seriously. And I don't know why it's like a game. Mm -hmm. Like it's a contract. We're signing like a legit contract, a legal document. Lenders, I have a client right now too. And it's not even the lender itself. I think we have allowed the client to be, "Eh, it works. It doesn't, it's fine. I'm going to get my earnest money back, you know? And right now I'm told you too, I'm I'm holding all parties in this uh, lawsuit right now. And it's on my second year for no other reason. I don't have to do it. It's costing me more money than I'm, what I'm actually going to make. But I'm trying to hold a point. Like you can't just give a letter and then yank it four hours before closing. Mm-hmm. You know, a con- a convenience of, for of, convenience. Yeah. So you and then to say you're denied and then you're going to go down the street and buy the exact same priced home right. and get an like that's not how this works. It's not you an know, option. no, and that no. shouldn't be allowed. Period. Right. You know, um, and to find attorneys that read a gray area somewhere in the midst of it that that's allowed you know why get a commitment letter 
if you have a financial contingency up until the last minute, I still don't understand that. But, you know, like you're saying, if that industry is not going to change, how do we change our personal, you know, standards to mm-hmm. improve, you know, what we can improve? Um, so I love that. I love everything that you're saying. So, Jason, I know, you has, I know you're one of the sharpest people I know in this industry as well. So let's tell, share your thoughts. Sure. On what we're talking yeah, about. I liken this to back when I was in the music business, um, you know, the uh, early 2000s. And, you know, music business was fantastic. Um, you know, were you a rapper? <laughs> did, you, did you google me before this i just he probably's like what did you were you a singer um no so I, music business so i was uh in the uh then it was called new media which Ooh. was the internet I'm like wow stepping um, up yeah so i was and i communicated a lot with the um uh, you know around the globe uh, but what, where I'm getting at is that uh, everything was uh, going great until Napster hit. Mm, and right. so I had to live through Napster. And I saw my the people I was working for getting pink slips and laid mm-hmm. off. And then, you know, mergers started to happen. Well, you know, and I was with Sony at the time. And they, you know, they drug out a legal battle against it mm. well the thing is is that change is going to happen yeah you got to adapt you got to change and um they were still holding on to the old way of doing business where you have to buy the full album to get two good songs on it mm. and so that has changed mm-hmm. whether they liked it or not and i see you know what we're going through right now is very similar to that is that hey let's embrace change let's be better for it let's find out what the customer wants and how we can provide that as best value and service to them you know it's not going to be the same way that we used to do it and that's a good thing Mm -hmm. you know it's a good thing that we're going to continue evolving in this industry and yes to your point i am all about making it uh, you know setting that bar up higher for you know the entry fee to get into the business because we are held to a very high standard and i don't think that matches up no. to how easy it is to get into it no um, you know and when when that happens you have people that are just kind of you know they're just going through a revolving door and that's why we have such a high, a, a, a stupid high fallout rate. Eighty-seven mm. percent. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it's ridiculous. And but because of that, that's what gives us a bad name. The people right. that are, in what I say, professionals. Right. You know, I'm a professional. I'm not just an agent. Mm-hmm. You right. know, and that's who we want in our brokerage. Our professionals. You know, we're not interested in just to have a revolving door right here. Uh, but it takes those professionals to embrace that change, to become the you know the go-to resource, and provide that ex- that excellent experience for the customer. Mm-hmm. And I think you're onto something, Jonathan, when you say, you know, let's lead with customer centric first, mm-hmm. and you know, back into. I've never trained under um, a loan officer training because I never wanted to go down that road. I wanted to learn a new way. You mm-hmm. know, I said, why can't we do it a different way? Mm-hmm. You know, why can't we, why do I have to wait five days in underwriting? When you said that, like my loan yeah. is stuck in underwriting. Why? Yeah. Why can't it be different? You know, I'm going to make it different. And it's, and it required me to stand up just like you and to make changes and to put my foot down so many years ago, you know, to force those, you know, those changes. Why can't I close a loan in eight days? Right. Who's stopping me? The law says I can. 
why why can't just because somebody else says I can no right. I'm going to if if there's a, a way the because of the mile. speed That's is right. important you know speed's important so I think I think you're on to something you, you went to sure. several other types of comp, uh, businesses to start modeling your business after right I mean I you didn't I stay on, in the mortgage business right. and say how do I do it within here you went outside of that and I think mm-hmm. that's part of what we're talking about here is going outside of right. the mental you know perspective of what this is what it looks like I mean I can't tell you how many hate letters I used to get when I was selling when I was offering to sell somebody's home without charge if they'd buy another home with me I mean I, I got so much hate hate stuff and and it always go back to well you get what you pay for and I said you know that's the challenge people don't feel like they're getting what they pay for and I hate to say that that loud guys because it you know it hurts it hurts my heart because that's what this thing is hinging on, I think, is the consumer's not feeling like they got what they paid well, for, and, maybe. Well, and I see, you know, there's two two sides here. You get what you pay for. And and then I also hate the other side is in some of these uh, uh, places, that they, how they advertise and how they, you know, like, treat agents as the bad guy. Yeah. And in their marketing of that, I think that is where there's a lot of problem as well yeah. as far yeah. as this whole change like wait a minute i'm an, I, you know i'm a professional as well yeah that's why i don't like uh, open door and some of the other companies that are making us feel like, look like right. we're a bad guy when mm-hmm. the real underlying reality i think is they don't want the agent involved because there's not a higher level of accountability and then they can take advantage of the consumer well you're not paying six percent now you're only paying 87 percent or whatever the number is turns out to be with the cost you know right so but there John, are yeah go on jonathan no, i'm yeah. sorry no i just was saying I've, I've been trying to sell one piece of property Property and I went from one option where there was no commission based on it, and then I went to another where you I was used paying full. You used a, a company that wasn't charging any commission. No, real estate agents. Okay. Yeah, okay. but again, some friends were helping me sure. out, or this I'm or that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But what I will say is, I think it comes down to the person. Yeah. Your quality. I'm quality. Whether we do this for free or not, mm-hmm. we're still going to provide yeah. the service level that our parents taught us to provide. There's some people out there that are just super cool. I don't know if it's because they weren't trained the way we were all trained from the roots, you know, ground up, mm-hmm. or it's like no big deal. Like it's just, I don't need to push any harder. I don't need to try, maybe because it's not, something's not in it for me. But I was raised, you give your all whether you're making a dollar or not because right. tomorrow you're going to make two or four and, you know, c- continuing. You're, you're just going to continue. I don't know. But that lot, I will tell you, the person that ended up selling it gave their all constantly. Yeah. And I was so comfortable paying that commission on that, right? So I do feel there's a level of... I don't know how to measure that, you know, because there's some people that just all of a sudden you hear the story and no disrespect because the market allows, but you put it on, it goes live and then you have 50 offers in an hour that are all above and you didn't even have to, I don't even think you took a picture. I'm not saying you, but give them saying, so I don't yeah. know how to measure right. that. So well, in this market, what, that, that makes it difficult. And what you're talking about is part of what's forcing this whole change. I mean, you've got options now in town like a Redfin for 1% or a open door to, to, you know, not have somebody walk in your house and, and that kind of stuff. There's options now, which are going to, f- I think it's going to, that's why I, th- I feel like Jonathan's conversation here today is so relevant to encourage agents to, to look guys, there's other entities that are coming in and speaking to pain points. You better be ready to do that as well. And, and again, one of that, one of those pain points is value is, are you worth what you're charging me? Mm-hmm. Well, so share. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, my, my perspective on that is, you know, I think that 
no one, most everyone feels probably they have a, a heightened sense of uh, value of themselves more so than maybe somebody outside of it, like, oh, I'm worth it. I'm not like one of those people. Mm-hmm. I have learned that there has been seasons in my career where I was on vacation. We had a baby. I was sick. Life was happening. And so my customer service or experience did have variations. And so my competency did not you know, was, was not gone. Mm -hmm. However, my life circumstances, I was in a place. So I started to learn, um, that we need to be process dependent more so than people dependent. Um, I think a great example of this is Nick Saban, Nick Saban, he loses his best players every year. They go to the draft. Um, he loses his best coaches. They go coach at all Mm -hmm. the competitors, but they still continue to win uh, championships. He speaks to the process, the process of preparation, the Mm -hmm. process of recruiting, the process, even this year, whenever he had the Mm -hmm. coronavirus uh, during the Auburn game, uh, the commentator said it probably is not going to make that much of a difference that he's not there because his process throughout the week of preparation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for for me and my company is this understanding that we're not personality dependent. I think that we are in an an industry that is very self-promoting. We lead with image and, in a sense, ego. And I think that for the most part, people have the right heart and they want to serve, they want to help. So like their heart's in the right place but their competency is not there to actually deliver. And at the company level, because they're classified as independent contractors, the, the IRS says you cannot govern their activities. Right. So if I can't govern their activities and they're independent, the customer's experience is up and down depending upon the life stages that someone's in. Mm. So, you know, for the, you know, I'd like to, you know, position like I'm an expert, I would never do this, but the reality is there's seasons in mm-hmm. which I just frankly failed customers. There's seasons to where I had the ability but I did not have the bandwidth. And so if we're going to give a predictable customer experience, it has to come down to through processes and systems that's being delivered at the company level, irregardless of the independent contractor, which means the contractor has to be held to a standard. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, I know, mm-hmm. I know you to the core, mm-hmm. Monty, and some of the things that impressed me is about your core values and your perspective on the world. And so for your agents to say, you know what, we're going to submit ourselves to the company structure and we're going to come under this umbrella in an effort to serve the customer, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's I'm being held accountable, even if the KPIs or the key performance indicators are not something that I really want to adhere to. I believe the customer's experience is going to be better under an organizational umbrella mm-hmm. versus an independent umbrella. Love that. But that sounds like a, uh, just a large team. I think the large teams typically have a better customer experience because yeah. there is processes. Well, the, <clears throat> so I would say really then the brokerages are, are two different things. It's more of like a, a large team versus a brokerage. It's, it's however we want it to be. I mean, okay. I, I think that the, I because think that, as a team, I mean, what I was listening to what you're saying, I'm like, well, yeah, you can, you know, in a team, you have the processes, you have the people, you have, you know, the agents that helps with those along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like a brokerage is where you do have the independence. Yeah. So, for example, like for our company, if we have a listing coordinator or a buyer coordinator, a marketing coordinator, there is no deviation. Like you, you can't you actually cannot go outside of the process. Um, 
I think that to find people who are willing to be held accountable to that standard is just different. Uh, I think that some people just don't embrace it. But it's sure. again, the, the objective is, it's not to be right. The objective is, how can we give the customer a very predictable experience? When they come into this, they know what they're going to get. How do we make sure that it's designed in such a way to drive down cost, it's designed in such a way to increase the value? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a term at our company that we're, we obsess about is value innovation, which is how do we make this in a sense, cheaper, driving down cost, and how do we increase the value? And that overlay is yeah. value innovation. And so I, I believe that- Yeah, it's our, sort of like the Model T. You know, you, you, your assembly line. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I I, lo- I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, I have, absolutely. I, I mean, it, I changed, have that. it changed the whole world. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's how I built my team. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized there's some people I would want to bring into the team because yeah. mm-hmm. I can get them underneath. And if they did it with the systems- Do what you, you do well- let right. somebody else do what they do well. Right. right. And right. it's um, and then I have loan officers that don't want to, you know, follow follow suit. But the core um, beliefs within my small organizations, that's why I only have 13 loan officers, because I do sometimes feel like if you get too many people, it, they're not all going to fall. They're going to someone someone's going to go rogue. Mm-hmm. Now follow suit with right. that process. So I love what you're saying. So what you're what you've built is you broke it down and you had a beginning, middle, and end. That's right. So whether that season in life happened, mm-hmm. the customer does not feel mm-hmm. anything different. So I have an agent uh, who's out of town right now. She's on vacation. Um, she did uh, right at 60 million last year in personal production. And uh, she's out of town for the next week and her drop off, there is no drop off. Love it. It's because the customer's experience was predetermined. We talked about before, during, and after, what is every step in the sequential journey? And when she's not the personality that's there, how do we make sure that there's not a service drop-off? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where, you know, who's the hero of the story for familiar Donald Miller? For us, we want the hero of the story to be the customer. Right. We just happen to be the guide. But the guide has a plan and says we have a checklist mm-hmm. that we're going to follow without any variation, any deviation from the standard. Mm-hmm. We're committing to the standard. And that really comes down to is the agent, or if you're a football player, are you going to wake up at five o'clock? Are you going to go to preseason and work out? Are you going to run wind sprints? Mm -hmm. If you don't want to, this is not the environment for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're committing to the standard that it takes to deliver, then this is where you're going to find a home. Brady does. Brady did. Brady got there. He did. Yeah. Every Monday, right? Uh, Jonathan, you, uh, you, you're hitting on some things that I think that every agent needs to pay attention to. I, I don't know what to do with the idea of a team being more effective than an individual because you're not going to have everybody's not going to be part of a team. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, this, this afternoon we onboarded some agents and I said, look, we try to, we try to run this organization more like a team, more like a family than we do as a bunch of individuals. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's free to do your thing. I can't tell you what to do. You're an independent contractor at the same time. I'm responsible for what you do. And I'm also taking responsibility for the consumer's experience, so that's why I want you to be part of the trainings and the, you know, the support uh, opportunities and the and the uh, and the uh, group me app and the Monday morning huddle call because there is a philosophy, there's a there's a value extended belief system rather uh, extended that that uh, we've got to raise the bar in our industry because w- if we don't. Then that that you know that evolutionary process is going to leave us, yeah. you know, high and dry. I'm afraid. And communicate okay. that bar. 
and, and mm-hmm. yes. But you've built a success process for real estate with, within your organization, right? Yes. For you. So you could bring multiple independent folks into your organization and you could send them through the orientation of to say, here's the true success, mm-hmm. beginning, middle, and end, right? And you get them to adapt to that. My hope is that um, there would be a movement in the industry. It's, it's not necessarily my company or anybody. Sure. That there's a movement to a standard of process of ideation and innovation um, that people are saying, hey, how could I make this cheaper for the client? I think that's a magnificent obsession because, you know, if, if we say that um, you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. is that true for Netflix? Right. Netflix knocks out Comcast over $9.99 a month. Yep. Did you get what you pay for? No, you got so much more. Now look at Redbox there. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. So for, for us. And they were the first one that knocked out Blockbuster. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we start to ideate and say, you know what? I think that we can play a game with ourselves about how can we drive down the cost mm-hmm. and make it more efficient, more quality. Where, where it's a win-win. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that we reserve the right as an industry to get smarter. And I have found that and people. we should, or it's going to go away. <laughs> exactly. I think it's absolutely absurd. And this, and this is where the industry really does not appreciate my, you know, me and, and what I stand for. I think it's absurd for us to charge our customers based on their value. It would be like taking your car to a car wash and they're like, hey, we're going to run a Kelly Blue Book analysis on this car before we tell you how much we're going to charge it to wash it. That's absurd. It's a service. I think you're onto something where... You're right. I mean, we all pay the same price for that car wash, right? Should we b- come back another time and pick this same conversation up? Yes. Yeah, let's do that. Let's so do we're that. in the midst of the car wash. Yes, we're going to leave this you is halfway really, through really, the car wash. This is really, really important, guys, okay? And I don't do. want to shortcut this at all. So yeah. we're going to pick this up in another conversation. Be sure to stay tuned, okay? Yes. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the talk of Music City Real Estate.